I'll start with a visual. Perfect for a podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. (laughs) So I know you saw this already, but I'll show it to you on, on screen. Okay. This is my my latest piece of art oh wow yeah yeah and as you said this is like perfect for a podcast opening up with the visual but (laughs) it is if you're listening to this i'm holding up a acrylic painting that i did at one of those like paint and sip type places except this one was you could pick whatever project you wanted not everyone had to do the same thing so there were like crafts you could make candles and I saw something like this up on the wall and I thought it was cool I'm like all right I'll try that and sign up for this thing kind of like not knowing what I was getting into it's a lot of blues and browns it looks like a like a midnight yeah like my interpretation is like the beach at night Hmm? oh I love your interpretation thank you all right I I I don't know I don't know but this is this is kind of the discussion I wanted to have today. So when I started the process and the, you know, instructor person was kind of like walking me through like the first step and the second step, I was there with my sister-in-law and she's just sitting there kind of like smirking and I like her already. (laughs) And, and she's watching me do this process because the project she chose was a lot more like, uh, she picked a, a picture of like her dogs and she was just gonna you know paint it but apparently this acrylic it's called acrylic pouring is like a thing on tiktok i had never heard of it before but my sister-in-law knew what it was so part of why she was smirking was she said to the instructor you probably don't know how funny this is for me to watch michelle do something like this because she knows that i'm like you know, I'm a graphic designer. I'm all about having like tools so that I can make things in precise ways. And this acrylic pouring project was like, I didn't have a choice but to throw any bit of control out the window. It was like, here are your paints, pour them into this plastic cup, dump it on top of this canvas, and then just kind of swirl it around and see what happens. Wow. And it was, it was such a healthy exercise for me because uh, I don't consider myself like a control freak with like when it comes to, like I don't try to control like other people and even circumstances. But I think it, when it comes to like any bit of anything that I'm creating, I've got like such a firm grip on it, and I'm so afraid that I'm gonna mess it up um, that. I leave zero room for like any bit of vulnerability to come through or any bit of of really who I am to come through. Curious to hear from you. Have you ever like what was the last kind of like art class experience thing that you've done? Oh man. Uh it's been a long time. Um I <laughs> I was one of the kids, like art, art class. It's got to be high school. I mean, or, or even before that, um, 
I don't know if I've ever done anything to that extent where, you know, you've just kind of gone and like created something or made something. I think I've always found that like, I'm the kind of person who would go and I always feel like people who go to those things make these like they do a really nice job of whatever it is that they're making. Like if it's a paint and sip thing, like you can clearly see that it's a great experience and like they, sh they, they end up with things that look like really good. And I'm just like, I know that I'm the kind of person who would go to this and I would be the first person who would create something that looked absolutely ridiculous and like horrible and doesn't look a thing like what it's supposed to be. But I would probably also get drunk because I would have more than a few <laughs> sips. So like, I just feel like I'd be the Gulp first and person. <laughs> right. Siphon and paint. Um, I just, I just feel like I would like not come out with a, a, a good product. And I think part of it is because like, I don't think my artistic ability, my creative ability lies in like that type of art, um, per se. I, I I'm not a good artist, um, in that regard. And I think I would, I might be okay with trying it, but I, I feel really confident in knowing that it would look terrible and, and I would just probably be more embarrassed than anything else at it. Okay. So I'm going to challenge everything that you just said, because after doing this project, I was challenging myself to kind of rethink like what makes good art? Who's to say that your shitty painting that came as a result of having an extra glass of wine <laughs> isn't great because you were the one who made it and whatever came out came out like I think in creative like to this point like there has to be a level of trust in yourself like you talked before about control and I think everybody you know listening to this myself included understands that like if you're working on something and it's and it's yours like it's hard to sort of just let let things kind of go and it becomes who it, who it is because then it becomes less about it becomes less about control and more about just trusting yourself as an individual right but don't you think that like anyone who is going to create something from the position of that this needs to come out like this to kind of have this defined ending to it, that that becomes so much more about your ego and your, the creator's performance than thinking about or caring about how the person on the other end is going to receive it. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part to sort of let it go. Right. Because when you go into when you go into to actively creating something for a purpose, like if you have an audience that you're creating it for, you're you're, you're probably thinking at the outset about like, OK, what what change do I want to have happen? How do I want this this audience to feel or how do I want their behavior to change or whatever that that result is? And then you sort of reverse engineer and go back and design something that hope you, you hope or ideally should ultimately result in that, you know, that happening. I think with something where it's like, you know, throw caution to the wind when you're, you don't know how an audience is going to react to something when you don't have that sort of like North star in mind. I think that puts somebody, I think that can put you in a really vulnerable position as a creator, as an artist, 
because you're relinquishing all sort of like control over the end over the end product you're just sort of in the design like when you showed me your 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 finished product there before and I was and I said it looked like the beach and you were just like oh really and my first thought was like it's not supposed to be because like that's that's how I I looked at it but you might have looked at it or your intention of it might have been something completely different and yet that wasn't where I arrived, which I think is a really vulnerable spot to be in as a creator to just sort of let that be interpreted however you want it to be interpreted. I loved that, though. I love that that was your interpretation and that was not, well, I didn't really have a thought as to what this was supposed to be, but. I mean, it's not a leap, right? I mean, you live on the beach. so Yeah, it's no, like, yeah you know, no, I mean, it's a it's a very logical conclusion. You're not right. wrong. But, right. Thank you. That's really all I wanted to hear. But you're also <laughs> not right. I mean, I think. I am starting to redefine what I th think is a successful piece of art because up until recently, I feel like, and especially from a young age, like my, my initial definition of art, and you, you kind of said the exact same thing when you were describing what you would be like if you went to one of these classes. Lost. It's, <laughs> it's, a successful piece of art is you have something that you want to create and you execute it to perfection to, to like give an example, like you have a bowl of oranges that you're looking at and then you paint the oranges as you see it and you try to get it as close to looking like a photograph or looking like the real thing as possible. Now, we know lots of artists like painters as an example could take that same bowl of oranges and bring it in like a million different directions and, and take artistic license to it. And there is going to be a group of people who only think that the one that looks identical, most like the real oranges, are like the successful piece of art. But to me, like the older I get, the one that looks more interesting that might be like even confusing for you to say like is that even an orange <laughs> does so much more like for me and like the coll the collective us in a, in interacting with a piece of art because if you see a regular painting of an orange you're just gonna be like oh that's nice good job person who did that and keep walking but what if that orange, like you saw something else in that and then you turn to your friend and say, you know, I, this makes me think of that. And that sparks yeah. a conversation or a thought. Yeah, I think this is where society and art are on maybe different wavelengths because so much of what we consume now, not just is in such a compressed, quick in your face scroll mentality. But I think we also feel like we have to have a reaction to whatever it is we're seeing that we've lost maybe some, some capacity to allow something to wash over us or, you know, interpret without actually saying that's an orange or that's the ocean or, you know, because I feel like we're in this, you know, got to go, got to move, 
saw this. This is what I think about it. Okay, have an opinion and move on. Art is sort of, and you and and the the means of which that people have to create art today is so prevalent, so many different ways and so many different forms, and yet it does feel like the root of all of the creative tools that are out there in some form or fashion is I have to have a response to this as the consumer. And I think that makes it more challenging from the level that you're talking about where you are sort of just letting all of your, your inhibitions sort of just go and, and allowing yourself to just sort of create. I was thinking about how this concept kind of pertains to social media and kind of what you were just describing about the expectation behind the digital content that we're putting out there now or kind of like what's expected of us from these platforms. And I heard something on a podcast yesterday where this individual was making the prediction that we're leaning a lot more towards not polished content. And and I think that we're we're already there, but I think I agree with him and that it's going to be even more like that because so many don't consider themselves to be creators now will become creators in the coming years. They may not necessarily have the skill set or like a you know a design degree and aren't going to be approaching a piece of content in the way that I would or that you would but it kind of doesn't matter <laughs> because if someone puts something up there and it doesn't look polished, if it hits with the person on the other end, it hits with them. There, there's no like right. this control that I'm trying so hard to let go of is on social media, I think going to be way less relevant. Well, and I think too, like, I don't think we talked about this a few episodes back that the audience is not necessarily as as obsessed with the consumption as we think they are. Um, right. So it's like the 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 specifics that we pour into the design and the creation of something, while it probably matters to us because we think that those little pieces of things are gonna ultimately, you know, determine how someone interprets something. I mean look at TikTok. It's a, it's a platform that's built on not overthinking and look at the, 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 look at the virality and look at sort of the response to things. And that's not necessarily always the main definer, but it's proving that it doesn't have to be like you were saying this, this meticulously curated thing. It can be more of a, of an open interpretation to what, what you're putting out there. I'm laughing because I just like started posting on TikTok a few days ago and I have three posts up that are just replicated from what I have on Instagram. It's nothing, you know, new, but it's very designed, thoughtful. Took me like two hours to put together each one of those stupid reels. Uh, and they, you know, they have, I think one has one view and the other two have zero. So it's like, it no TikTok does not care that I spent two hours working on this thing. No, and I think trying to get my kerning right. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that's in the terms and conditions. Your kerning must be 
must be spot on. Um, I, I, but I think, but going to the terms and conditions, not trying to be funny, but it says it in there that like the frequency in which you post and things like that, stay with me. It doesn't, it doesn't determine like how frequently something is seen. So like it really is on the creative effort and not at least right now. I mean, who the hell knows how things evolve, but it really is more a platform that's built for creators to explore than it is about more of the traditional means of social media with how you sort of get you know, uh, through the algorithm views on things. I really should have consulted with you before I started posting on TikTok. I didn't realize that you had read through all the terms and conditions. I tell you this all the time. Talk to me before you do anything. I don't know why. For anything. Anything. <laughs> any decision. <laughs> restaurant choices. I don't know you why. Don't you don't go to restaurants. Uh, <laughs> You'll be the last person I would go to for that topic. I know. And that's a statement that I would have said before the pandemic, too. <laughs> Treated everything socially distant. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had a, I had a, what I consider to be a successful reel of all the reels I put up in the last couple weeks. And it was not one that I had planned out. It was a spur of the moment. I found this, um, piece that I made in college. I, I, I was going to use the word create. It definitely was not intended to be like a, a show piece, like a, like a final painting. It was more of a exercise type assignment but I went ahead and just you know flipped through these pages and put it up in my in an Instagram reel and in our last episode we talked about the importance of you know engaging your audience and talking about things that were really specific this was like a very specific post I mean I'm I was very much talking to People who have a graphic design background who, you know, went to school in the early 2000s. So that's like a really, you know, kind of like niche and narrow group. But of all the posts I put up recently, it, it was one of the more high performing ones. I had like, you know, classmates that I, you know, that I went to St. Rose with that I didn't even know, if, you know, followed me. All of a mm. sudden, we're like, you know, having going down memory lane in the in the comments. So <laughs> It was, uh, that post was a great lesson because it was shot in poor lighting. I did one take, I didn't overthink it, and I just put it up. I know you, you talked about this, this paint and sip class sort of being, uh, yeah, paint mm -hmm. and sip class being sort of a, you know, a, a Kickstarter or, you know, maybe a, a moment where you realize that, you know, this is, this is how you might start to think about approaching work moving forward. But I'm I'm curious though, like from like a DNA standpoint of 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 who you are as an individual, because I identify a lot of with what you were saying. Like, is it as easy as flipping a switch for you, or is it still a is it oh, still God, a no. pull? And yeah, so I guess like, how do you arrive at that point? Like, okay, maybe it it makes a little bit of sense through interpretation, but you know, and through the instructions of the of the instructor, not to be redundant, but like, how do you arrive at that point? I think it's just constantly, anytime that I experience art, I try to stop and think about why it's making me feel a certain way, just kind of being a little bit more curious about it. And then trying to bring that back behind the computer, which is where I typically work. I'm not taking up painting. Um, <laughs> and ultimately, reminding myself to stop 
making it so much about me. I, I remember mentioning this in another episode before that there comes a point when you're making something, you know, I'm all about like polished work and, you know, looking professional, but like there be, there comes a point where you've reached that point and then you keep going and that section of time where you keep going, that is just a completely egotistical move. It's becoming about you at that point. No one, right. no one else cares. Right. Um, and not only is it like a waste of time, but I think that that when you're doing that, it's taking away from you having the capacity to cr either create more work or to engage with people with the thing that you made to begin with. So I don't have like a methodology for this. It's just, it's something that I'm trying to keep in mind, but it, this isn't like a completely new idea, but I think it's just kind of switching the perspective of thinking that like interesting art is better in my opinion now than perfect art. Yeah, I think the most compelling thing that you just said to me was the the phrase experiencing art because it is an experience, right? But like inside the, you know, there's the product, right? Which is what you created, but inside the product, it's like a Russian doll, right? Like mm -hmm. inside the product is is the is the experience, right? Of 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 witnessing it or listening to it if it's music or whatever and then inside that experience is the meaning it's it, it's what it means to the individual and if you have five people listen to a song the same song you're going to probably have five different experiences same product five different experiences and potentially five different meanings depending upon where they are and what they what they've gone through and you know so when you put it that way, it's almost hard to understand why we don't approach creative and design and art from that standpoint as the creator to just sort of relinquish that to the interpreter because it's how it's going to probably end up anyway. Mm -hmm. But we like to think that we're in control. Yeah. Like maybe if I work a little harder, no, maybe, maybe <laughs> if, you know, I, I spend an extra five minutes to tweak this to get it like to where I really want it, then they'll like it more or more people will like it when it's what you just said is absolutely the truth. You could show five people the same exact thing and they're going to react to it differently because they're seeing it through their unique lenses. Right. And that's great. I mean, it's it's kind of freeing. But doesn't it ex that expands your world then too? Yeah. I mean, like it makes you more than just what you feel like your niche is. It can make you so much more to so many other people. Yeah. I was thinking about um, my friend Kaylin. I felt I feel like she's been such a great example of this um, in thinking about like the word vulnerability in in the stuff that you're creating. Kaylin and I have been blogging buddies for a long time. Um, and when we first met, her blog was called the Creative Savings Blog. And she would blog about, you know, finding coupons and, and saving money. And, you know, in the years that followed, she kind of evolved into more of a organizational type blog. And we all know 
there are a million blogs and you know mm. brands out there who can help you with organization. But in these last, like in this last year and a half, I've really seen her work get so much better because she took that extra step and now she approaches everything that she does from this perspective of sharing her story, which is, you know, battling with depression. And I'll link to her site in the um, in the show notes. But her content is so much better because it's so much more honest. And, and the, the funny thing is, is she still talks so much about organization and systems. But now she's sharing her why. And she's connecting with other people who also need these tools and resources that she uses to like to manage her life, to keep herself going every day. Mm. And think about how much more powerful that is to reach a person who needs that kind of help and to know that they're not alone in their struggle versus someone who just like, you know, needs a meal planner. Like that feels so empty. Right. Or like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's about more, it's about purpose. And I think that's the most, we, we should all be striving for that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and when we, when we realize that we can be, you know, you know, it's not, you don't, you don't just, you know, (laughs) you just don't go down to the store and, you know, it's not like going to get what you need and that's it. Like there's, there's a purpose to what you're trying to do. And I think that's always got to be at the forefront of the product. Yeah. And like the more, I mean, every day we go on the internet and it's like more crowded than when we left it. We really have like zero hope of reaching (laughs) the right people and making an impact if we're staying really general and safe and trying to be perfect and focusing on making sure that we don't look bad when like, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this to challenge myself. Like it's not just about like showing your bad side. And we've talked about this in past episodes before that we hate when people do this, like, mm-hmm. Oh, like I I'm such a mess or like, you know, that they're doing it like yep. Yep. just to be relatable or, or to get attention. Like yep. talk about the thing that is, really important to you and it doesn't have to be something like Kaylin like you know it could be whatever you want it to be but don't be afraid to to share that really specific part about yourself or your brand you have so many different audiences who are going to have so many different opinions or or feelings about who you are and what you mean to them and that just makes you more diverse. It just makes you more reachable. It makes you more impactful than doing something for a singular purpose. This topic was making me think about your favorite Billy Joel song. And so it goes. Because in that song, Billy, I mean, he does he does different things in all of his songs. But in that song specifically, he brings the notes to places where they're not supposed to go. Yeah. He goes all like everything is suspended. And I'm sure complete. there's like a musical term for, for what that is that, that he's doing. Unresolved. Everything is unresolved. It's just sort of hanging out there. It's not, it doesn't, the, 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 the transition of the chords don't fall into where they're supposed to fall into. 
And it's such a dynamic, moving, unique experience to listen to that song, to listen to a song like that, that does something different. When some, when an artist does something that's different, it makes you stop and think. And I that's just like the most valuable thing that we can give to the people on the other end. Yeah, I think that's what makes art so powerful, you know, because you can have a feeling about an artist and experience something of theirs and it can either add to that feeling. It could open up the array of how you feel about it, where you are all of a sudden bringing in other factors like Billy Joel is a great example because so much of what he does is not the same. Like if you take um, the Innocent Man album, like there are some themes to the music where it's it's you know very much trying to recapture his youth, and there's a lot of music that has like 50s influence and 50s rock and roll influence, which is great. 40s doo wop, uh, 50s doo wop. Um, but then you know you listen to Stormfront, and it's very much a rocker album, and you listen to Glass Houses, and there's there's a lot of the same. Like there is no continuity. His voice changes. His his you know I think of Down Easter Alexa, and we're talking about we're talking about you know a rock and roll beat, which is always on, you know in four four time. It's always on two and four. One two three four. One two three four, and he does it on one and three to symbolize waves crashing into a ship. One three, and it's like. That right there, when I learned, when like I heard it and I knew it, listened to the music that it was different. But when you hear the interpretation and you allow it to wash over you, all of a sudden it just opens up how you how you feel about this individual, and more importantly, what that music does to you. And 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 so it goes is is another great example of that because the whole point of the song is about how he's going to give his heart to somebody and somebody that he knows is going to trample on it. And the relationship is going to end and it's not going to be good, but he's going to do it anyhow. And that in and of itself has these feelings of, of, uh, you know, an unresolved outcome and the music illustrates that. And I think that's what sort of pulls you in because I think we've all been in situations that are similar, you know, where you go, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going (laughs) to do it, even though I know this isn't going to go well, you know, and I think that's why it's it's so appealing to me that it's it's the art matches with the experience that I'm feeling in that moment. This is a really cool topic. I'm glad we we did this. It, it gives me this kind of positive feeling at the end of of a recording. This is good. Good. Now we'll have to go to a paint and sip class together. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives and let us know what stood out to you. This whole conversation also made me think of Lin-Manuel Miranda and Hamilton and how when I first, I never got to see him perform it live, but when I watched the stage recording of it on uh, Disney, it was so raw. Like, he's not that good of a singer that's definitely not his like best skill I mean writes like a genius but not the best singer but like he I have seen other stage 
uh, performances without him, with other people playing the role, and they weren't as good. Even though they were better singers, and they were more polished, and they hit all the notes properly, it wasn't as good. Because Mm. Lin was like putting a soul into his performance that nobody else could do. Because no one else had that experience of writing it like living it it was it's he everything and, is right it's, yeah. it's real it's authentic he and that character are became one and the same in in his performance of it yeah and i think that leaves more of a of an impact on an audience and on the experience right? it seems more real it doesn't you know i often fa- feel that way about when you get these shows that like go on the road and it's not the same you know it's not the same cast that's on mm-hmm. the broadway you know like okay yeah you're going to see the show but you're really not you know like you're seeing like you know you're seeing like the the, the road show for it and it doesn't make it any less like okay these people are talented but like you know i always felt like it's like i don't know like there's a movie and it stars these this this great a list of of celebrities and actors and then like but you see the ones with like other people like is it is it as good? Like, I mean, I'm sure it's good, but like, is it as good? Different. It's different. I mean, okay. I, I that was, that was that was couched there. Well, this is another area in which I would not go to you for advice. Like, do you see a lot of Broadway shows on the road? Uh, no, but I live near some theaters, so I know that they have. Them. You drive by them. <laughs> I see that they're taking place, and I see people excited about getting tickets for that. But I'm always skeptical, like. But it's not the real one, like. Yeah, no. I, I in my experience, there have been performers that I think are better than the original, and sometimes it's just a different, a different interpretation. And for something like, you know, Mary Poppins, obviously, one of my favorite movies. Right. Always. No one, children. no one is ever going to replace Julie Andrews. But you know, when I went to see Mary Poppins the Broadway show, I had to kind of go like. This is a, this is a different Mary Poppins and yeah. just enjoy it enjoy this experience as like a separate thing. Yeah. Something to keep in mind next time you drive by go- a theater. <laughs> <laughs> when I drive by and I go, "Huh, Wicked's in town." <laughs> you should go see Wicked if it's Oh, playing. I will not go if Adina Menzel is not in it. So, I'm out gonna give you props just for knowing who she is oh i believe it's me i believe i deserve something for that (laughs) before this recording you wouldn't have thought that i knew that she was in it would you you know that is is, no no you're right that is that's impressive who else do you know let's get out (laughs) we've we've hit our we've hit our time here i accept your apology we can wrap now (laughs) 